0: Love Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures, what I've left behind. I'm locked up in memories, they all intertwine. The memory is in my mind. I know tomorrow, cause that zone will come. You will never know. What
1: you've done Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3305 or 3305. I'm Carol Levine. I'm vice president of NASCA. And tonight we have a very good guest with us. Um, She's got quite a story to tell, and and she's also an author. Her name is uh, Edna Saylor, and she's from North Dakota. And she is a child and adult educator. And she was 71 years old when she published her first novel, Alfalfa Girl. Now, that's all I'm going to say about her because I want her to tell the story but um, we do have Lori with us, Lori Purcell. She's always my co-host, and I'm happy she's here. And we also have Philip with us. And, uh, and we have our guests and myself. So we're ready to go. Before I um, go, though, before we start, I should say I'm going to read the mission statement. We have a single of purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways, two different ways. One is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and it certainly does. Number two is offering hope for healing through humorous paths and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention and recovery. Now you hear a way I say prevention. I believe very much in prevention. That's something we all very much learn or need to learn to do so we can help the kid or so we can help the kid. Yeah, you bet. So anyway, um, we have our, our guest here tonight. I'm not going to go into a long spiel on this because we do have her here, and she's going to uh, talk to us. We have a 7017 telephone number with us, and we have uh, another 701 telephone number with us. This is fine. Um, I don't know who they are. 701. Um, who am I speaking f- to? My son.
2: And my daughter. Who is it? My daughter. Mary. And my son Rob are on with us.
1: Oh, okay, that's good. Okay, very good. All right, so um, we have quite a panel here tonight. This is very good. Um, I always like it when people call in. So um, what I'm going to do is start out now with our guest telling her story. And what I'll do is I'll go through the panel uh, from the top to the bottom and see at times, maybe twice, okay, um, during the course of the show, to see if you do have a a question you'd like to ask, okay? All right, go ahead, why don't you start in?
2: Are you talking to me? Yeah, Yes, are you talking to me? Okay, Um, since we talked last, I have retired. I'm no longer working so well. I work very hard at holding down my recliner, but I I have retired. I um, Mm -hmm. was doing presentations in our state with NASCA information and other research and my book throughout the state. And in that process, I I spoke to groups sizes, maybe as few as five and as many at at the university, which was my last one, with 60 people there. And that was the first one that had men in it. The rest of them were all women. And it was really interesting how men posed questions so much differently than women did. Uh, so it was a real learning experience for me. And I learned uh, some things in that process. I, I remember when, we, when, we use, when I use terminology, I, I have specific ideas in my mind about how it's used. And I know several times the question came up, what do you mean when you say um, victim and what do you mean when you say survivor? And so then I would have to define that in my terms. And then I would add that, you know, you, everyone is free to, to make that distinction on their own. You know, you, you might have a different experience than I do, but I saw victim as being the space of time prior to me getting help, prior to my writing my book and uh, going through a, a, a healing process. And feel like I'm a survivor after that. So that that's my definition. That's not I'm not trying to force that on anybody else. But that was one of the things that became very clear to me as I'm talking to groups of people throughout my state. So, um, alfalfa girl, uh, do you want me to talk? Are you are you going to ask me questions or?
1: Well, um, yeah. you know, I'll ask you, would you like if if we went through the panel now? I think it's a little bit early. Um, you could tell that's, a little bit more. That's up to
0: you. You, yeah. you tell
2: me what you want me to do.
1: Okay. Um, you can c- continue on with your story a little bit, and then I'll stop you. I'll let you know. That's what we do.
2: Okay. And, sounds um, good. Yeah. So go ahead. I'll talk a little bit, um, kind of lay the groundwork here. Talk a little bit about how Elf, the title of my book, by the way, is Alfalfa Girl. Mm -hmm. And the whole title is Alfalfa Girl, The Path from Childhood Molestation to Soul. Um, And the Alfalfa Girl comes from the fact that as a child victim, when I was hurt, when I was abused, um, I would run away to the alfalfa field and I would burrow down into the alfalfa and make a little bed there. And uh, there's text in the book that talks about screaming and crying and being, being able to Kind of recover myself a little bit. So, and uh, one of my friends, when I was writing the book, one of my friends, one of my dear friends, said uh, called me and he he was helping edit the book and he said he called, he said Alfalfa Girl and I said that's the title I was looking for a title in, and, <laughs> and and so that's where the Alfalfa girl Alf, Alfalfa girl is the little girl who sought her healing by running out to the Alfalfa. Field. So that's kind of the background of it. That's part of the background. The other part mm-hmm. of the background is, you know, in 2016, when Donald Trump decided to make his uh, Hollywood access mistake, I was saying that how comfortable he was by grabbing women by the genitals, and that's not the word he used, he used the P word, and that, the you know, you, you, you don't have, you know, he made that statement. It was so closely aligned with one of the things that one of my perpetrators said, that it put me into PTSD, and maybe I should add right here that I was molested five times by the age of 11, well, more times than five, but five separate perpetrators by the age of 11. So um, when I put together my presentation and did my research to write the book, it took me about a year to write the book because it was hard to write, it was emotional to write, and... I, um, rather than be a memoir, I wanted the book to be, it's fiction. And the reason it's fiction is that allowed me to bring other stories of other women and girls that I knew in, mm-hmm. to better flesh out the full impact of, this, of these crimes. And let me be clear about that. These are crimes against children. We're not going to use any pretty darn language about this. These are crimes against children. And I always emphasize that um, when I'm talking uh, to the groups. So that's kind of where we are. And as I moved along in my research and in my presentations, one of the things I found myself doing over and over and over again was to get to know a little bit more about pedophiles. And one of the things that I learned about pedophiles is they have a lot in common. They all have three distinct things um, when they when they do what they do when they put, perform these crimes. they need access to a child they need secrecy and they need isolation. so the crimes and the crimes that doesn 't mean they one of the um, Incidents for me happened right in my, I'm old enough, I'm 76 years old, so I'm old enough to have had an outdoor toilet. And one of those crimes occurred in that outdoor toilet. And it was a relative, one of my relatives. And we were only, I would say, 15, 20 feet away from the rest of the family, was all out having Kool-Aid and hot dogs in, in the backyard. So it was very close to where uh, the family was. So it wasn't like I got hauled off to a tree row or something like that. It was very close. And when I was doing the research about um, pedophiles, the one thing that I learned about them that they have in common is that all they need is a secrecy and a dark place and access to a child report. My pedophiles, three were family and Two were known to my family. They were they were uh, friends of the family, and in that process, um, I never told. You know, that's settled. That don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. I never told anyone about them. My my parents went to their graves, never knowing that these things happened to me. So the whole pedophile thing is um, kind of a new wrinkle that I think. I learned as I went along since the last time we talked on this program. Mm-hmm. So, um, And that's a red flag thing. When I do my presentations, I am very clear to my participants. This is a red flag thing. This is, this is We can watch for these things. We can see. Grooming is another one. Grooming are, are, is the child getting gifts and candy bars and favors and all kinds of things. There's a way, there's way to keep an eye out for that stuff and, and pay attention if it, that sort of thing is happening. So I start out with pedophones because they're the ones that are committing along the way. And then the next thing that I talk about is it's very hard. I found this out when I was doing my workshops that it's hard for people to sit for, like my workshops might be about an hour long or so, to sit and conceptualize what's being done to a child. So I, I fixed that. I don't, I don't want people sitting for an hour imagining some man's hand. I, I don't want that. So I came up with a device to do that, and I call it brick through the glass window. So I'm going to ask everybody to do this with me now so that you, if your mind is wandering off to some horrible scenario with a child, I want you to focus on, imagine that you have a, a window, and that window is very close to you. Now imagine that someone's throwing a brick through it. And then when I have participants, then I'll say, now, what happened to the glass? And so they'll say, well, it, it shatters, it breaks, we'll talk and go through that. And I said, no, no, let's look closer. What kind of pieces are there? And so then they, they have that, they talk to each other, and they, it's some conversation that gets going. Now there are large pieces and small pieces and sharp pieces, and there are part, pieces The size of a grain of sand, and so when we understand that molestation shatters a child, it's better understood when they look at think about this window. And so, (laughs) um, then then I say, now I want you to imagine putting that window back together again. How is that is that going to be easy to do? Is that how are we going to be able to put that window? back together again so it looks exactly like it did before and then everybody responds to that no that wouldn't be they didn't think that would you know so then I get the responses from them and I say well that's how we can imagine this child that's been damaged or injured or hurt by a, by a pedophile so let's let's keep that window in mind and those pieces in mind and so then we go through that and then we talk about then we go through um, what we know, what the research is, and I want everybody to know. I didn't just put these ideas out of my back pocket. I researched for a year when I was writing the book, and I, I got uh, some very, very uh, – NASCA was part of my research, RAIN, the American Society for Positive Care of Children, the American Psychological Association. Um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk was a huge influence on me because everything that he talked about, in his information, his research reflected what I had been through as a child so um, and then I give all of my
0: participants
2: I give them um, the resources here you go, and if you google childhood molestation, you 'll get a whole bunch of resources and then you can do your own whatever you want to do with that so I'm very clear about that
0: mm-hmm. then That's I would.
2: Yeah, and then when I move on, Carol, I move on to um, what the intent. There, there's always a question with people. Well, you know, little kids play, you know, little kids play, and they, they have, they're curious about their genitals. And, and I said, let's not confuse that. This is not the same thing as curious children. I, when I grew up, I was curious. My brother had a handle, and I didn't have one. And everybody gets kind of a chuckle out of that. So I, I didn't know why he had a handle and I didn't have one. So, my mother called, um, trying to figure that out one day. And I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that story later. But, um, um, it's that curiosity. The point I'm trying to make here at this point is that do not confuse childhood molestation with curiosity of children, because I've had. Um, people in my workshops that, that didn't understand the difference. So some of the clarification of all the bad, bad information that's out there, people have been lied to, people are misunderstand, and there's a lot of bad information. And so the be- one of the best services I can do with the benefit of my research and the benefit of um, all of you who have done this research and you know all these things mm-hmm. is to bring that to people to help prevent. When You talked about prevention, Carol. We, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get on that.
1: <laughs> that's mm-hmm. why I Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: Let's get on that.
1: That's the biggest one. That's the biggest one. Go ahead.
2: I know, I know. And, you know, on the list that I give to them, under the category of the brick to the glass window, you don't mm-hmm. think what the repercussions are. And in the research, it says that there are 22 ways that children are hurt by this. And I'm going to read some of these. I'm going to read it. And every time I read it, I, I, ask, I ask them to imagine. This is a piece of broken glass. Now, you're going to, when I read these, you're going, to, you're going to imagine putting this glass back in the broken window, or back in the window. And so um, the first one on the list is trust. One of the ways that I was broken... Was that I trusted the wrong people? You see, they would tell you they were they loved you. So, from that very early age, which was for me probably the first one was around four or five, and they tell you that they love you. So you've got this conflict, this confusion between love and molestation. You've got you're confused by that. So, I was drawn. But to my trust, I was always drawn to the wrong people because those are the people that were loving me, were they not? Mm-hmm. So, so my trust thing was just shattered, absolutely shattered. And then, of course, you have the anxiety and the low self-esteem and depression or repression. Um, the other one that affected me was that um, victims often become the bad girl or the bad boy. And that can last into adolescence or even adulthood, um, mm-hmm. because you think it's normal? It's normal. For me For me, it was normal. Having having this happen was normal. And so others people are hypervigilant. Uh, there's genital damage injury, um, people being sensitive to many forms of touch. I was in a group with a woman one time. And all I did was sit down beside her, and she jumped about a foot in the air. She, she was so sensitive to touch that I happened, my arm happened to graze her. And so I've, I've experienced, I've seen, I didn't have that one, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: I am mindful that other women, other victims do, not just women, men. And so then, then there's the emotional turmoil. Uh, you disassociate, you have these patterns that are wrong, and, and so your your cognitive functions are disassociating. Um, some victims have toileting issues, bedwetting, genital pain. I, I did not have those. Fear. We all we all we all had fear. You know, we all had fear of some sort. Yeah. Some become quieter with rhyme. Um guilt. We don't have guilt. Um, people around us. Uh, we'll make sure that we feel guilty. Um, it's a societal norm sometimes. Nightmares, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, grooming. Talk a little bit about grooming. I, I mentioned that briefly, but you know, is the child, how does the child get to a point where they trust this creep? And that is, it could be favors, it could be gifts, it could be just even talking to the child and um, creating creating that false trust which is the major one I have. I didn't have any of the gifting or or any of that. I didn't have any of that. And then there's the inevitable, what we all know professionally is the worthlessness. To the point that people can be kids, adults, teens can become suicidal. So there's no small measure now, think about the glass. We're putting these pieces of glass back. Each one of those, it'll never be the same. And these reasons, these 22 reasons are the reason that it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an extra burden if it's clergy who's been uh, a perpetrator because now you've got the church involved um, or if it's a school. I One of my um, presentations here not so long ago, I had two school teachers that came to me. And the two school teachers said, we have a girl who's... Telling us she's being sexually molested at, at home. And, uh, so I said, well, report, 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 report. And they said, well, we went to the principal, but the principal is golfing buddies with the perpetrator. So they said, we, we, that, he said, absolutely not, absolutely not. That'll ruin that man's reputation. That'll, now think about that. Ruin that man's reputation and the child is suffering. Yeah, tell me, where's the priority here? <laughs> but that's part that's of the disinformation right? information cycle that we live in. So um, so they, they couldn't report it. And I said, well, go to the police. I said, uh, it's a crime. You can report it. As a... And they said, no, they, they had already been told if they went to the police, they would lose their jobs. So um, that's the dilemma of the environment we live in. That's right, well,
1: and you you said this all so well. You really did, Edna. Um, I do an awful lot of presentations. I haven't recently—not since COVID—but I'm going to get back into it. And I, I was usually in the universities. I, I had trouble getting into the grade schools. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I, it looked was really like I, I I had two heads or something. They didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They didn't want me in their schools. You know, talking to the kids. And what they don't realize the school system is that we the educators we know how to educate you know the proper way, appropriate way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's so I had problems. I had yeah. I had problems with that getting into the grade schools. So I worked mostly with the uh, universities and police departments and things like that. And the universities, are yeah.
2: Good. Yep, I can do the perfect venues. And that yeah. way you can draw in to, you can draw in, you can get those teachers. You don't want, you know, because you're certainly not ever going to be talking to the kids about this. It would be the teachers you'd be talking to, correct? Yeah. You wouldn't be talking to them. Let
1: me, oh, okay. Well, you, a, look you at our you school jump. system today. Look at our school system today. Let's and then I'm jump. going to go to the panel. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Um <laughs> It's not like when we went to school. You and I are exactly the same age by the way. I think I told you that last time too. <laughs> sure, so sure. look back look back to when we were going Yeah.
0: So, I so that look back
1: look look back to when we went to school. Um, we had certain classes that we'd go to but they wouldn't really tell you things. They certainly wouldn't tell you how to be safe, what's appropriate, what's no. not appropriate. There wasn't any Nobody of that stuff.
2: Talked about it back
0: then.
2: Nobody no. talked about it. I had an 80 no, year old woman. in To your point, which is a very good one, and to your mm-hmm. point, Carol, I had an 80 year old mm-hmm. woman. I was doing um, a presentation outside of the city here, about mm-hmm. actually about two hours away, and she came up to me and she had tears in her eyes and lovely, lovely lady, and she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, "Can I tell you my story?" And I said, "Of course you can tell." So we. Sat down and we had a piece of cake and a cup of coffee and she told me her story. She was molested by her father mm-hmm. her entire life growing up. And like we say, don't tell, don't tell. You can't tell, don't tell. Um, she figures that her mother knew it and that's very common as well. Um, you'll hear more about that later when I talk about the poems that I wrote. Mm-hmm. The blue skirts and blue trousers from... So, yeah, and uh, she, uh, that, that, um, unfortunately, that's very common. I heard that a lot right. from the yeah. participants.
1: Of- and that's too bad. I mean, Edna, Edna, think about it, and then I want to go to the panel because we have a large panel here, so I'm going to go to them twice, okay? That's it. Okay. Um, so, but but think about um, during those years, those grade school years, think about it especially, Kids really, really need to be um, educated to keep them safe, and, and instead of teaching them the way that they should teach them, um, they either just don't, you know, include that in, in any of the classes or anything like that. Even today, now they talk about other things. We know what they're talking about today, which I'm not going to get into. But if you're a boy, you should be a girl. If you're a girl, you should be a boy. That type of thing. I don't want to get into that. That's crazy. But um, as yeah, far as being safe, let's
2: go back to the topic.
1: Yeah, let's go back
2: to the topic. What I want to do? Hold on, hold on a second. Education.
1: Yeah, I okay. So let's hold on a second here, because I do want to bring the people on. They're sitting here patiently. Okay. First, I have um, <laughs> first, I have uh, Lori. Yeah, they want to ask you questions or make a comment.
3: Um, <laughs> Lori, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry it all happened to you, but I'm not surprised that. Uh, it was a collection of family members. I kind of thought that uh, when you said that. And they are going to keep it quiet, even if they know each other. And yeah. keeping it all to yourself for your entire childhood until your parents died is one painful way to live. I'm glad you finally you know, were letting it out and doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. It's important. You got the points right about them. I mean, I grew up with a pedophile, so... You hit on that when you presentations. And then when you said you were going into the schools and it is so hard to do it, it's because the teachers themselves don't know how to do it. So I was with a club, um, Guardians of the Children, and we were all bikers. And one of the things we did was to go into the schools to talk to the kids. But before we could even get to the kids, you had to convince the schools to let you in, and you would have to do a presentation everybody who was there just so I guess they were clued in and you'd be surprised how little they know they don't have to talk to children they don't have spot things so getting in there and educating them is a key thing to do so
2: keep working at that well but I that's not the way I would go about it because I think that's a separate issue for me as an educator I have a master's degree in education and as an educator my focus is that this is where the parents, when I talk to groups, I'm not talking about teachers put off this responsibility to the teachers. I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm talking about parents. What do parents need to do? What, how, or let, me, let me say that another way because there's a more positive way to say it. How can we help parents deal with these complex, this is a complex situation you know this is complex and how how can parents and first thing we can do as an educator is educate and when I do my workshops and when I talk to people we have to educate you have to identify the kind of things that you're going to hear me talk about tonight and the things that I've already talked about we have to educate okay so especially that um oh Uncle John he, he wouldn't do that no well, if Uncle John is grooming your child, it's your job to protect that child. That is where it needs to start, in my view. I don't, I don't, as, as an educator, I, I, I want to see, but I want to see parents informed, and that's where we're dropping a ball. I think programs like NASCA and Rain and a few others um, are, are making some headway, but, you know, the statistics are so much larger than both of us, that can actually reach people that we're kind of the slow wave um, tackling a very huge problem in my view. But yeah, I don't know. There's no guidebook when it comes to parenting, but um, both of my children, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I would, I would ask them and they they've heard mom talk about this for a long time is that um, and give the child permission, listening to a child, because we just heard a story here where sometimes people don't listen. The child will say, well, give them a vocabulary to talk about it. I don't think I did a good job of that with Rob and Sherry and Jamie. I don't think I did a good job with that because I didn't understand it that well myself back then. But give them some some vocabulary. Um, Where is it okay to be touched? If someone's touching you under your panties or... You know, give them some vocabulary. I want to see parents handle how they talk to children about this issue because I think it should be handled at home, and I think it should be handled in a way that children can express themselves. And the second thing about that that I hear all the time from victims is they tried to tell people that they won't, you know, oh, Uncle Johnny, he wouldn't do anything like that. I mean, I ran into that myself. I never tried to tell my parents. My parents went to their graves not knowing, but I knew bloody well that there that I would not. That I would that would be a, a wrong turn for me. So, I think families. I think it's. I think uh, Carol and and panel, and the rest of you, that family, education. Um, with. People who are knowledgeable. And, and, and it could start in churches, but um, I'll be sharing some issues with churches here. And churches, unless they, unless they have the best information, they're not going to be very helpful either. I have a very dear friend who was, uh, molested in his church and could tell nobody. And we'll get to that, that phenomenon in a little while. Is there any other question? I have more here. Was was there any other question from the panel or from anybody?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. But Let me go down. Um, I agree with what you're saying, but unfortunately a lot of times the abuse does come from home. We know that. Even the stats show that, you know, that a lot of times that's where it starts. And, um, And then with the parents at home, you know, do you know how many times, Edna, I've run into people and I'd say, talk to your children talk to your children. We have books on NASA, okay, that people have written, um, just so parents can learn how to, you know, to speak to their children and Great. then their children also, you know, and, and um, you know, things like that. And And they'll say, oh, no, oh, no, we want our children to stay innocent. We don't want them to think about, you know, they have enough worries about growing up without, you know, thinking about that as well. And that is so ignorant because we do not live in an innocent world.
2: Yeah. All right. Right. That's, and that's we the did problem. This, this woman and and that's the fallacy that I run into once in a while is that um, this woman who is eighty years old, this was not the modern world, this was not the modern world, this eighty year old woman. I'm seventy six and I know the world I grew up in, the city I grew up in. So this is an old problem. This is it's not a new thing. This is not some new fangled, new um, Problem. This is an old problem. With yes, it the, is. Ha- it's epidemic, like you said, dear,
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's
2: been around for a long, long time. And so the, one of the well, characters in my book that does the molesting is a grandfather. Mm-hmm. And that was not my grandfather, but a man in our neighborhood that mm-hmm. we thought of as a grandfather was one of my molesters. So that's how I chose that for the book. So. Um are there any other questions about that? Otherwise I I have some there. I have
1: I have a, I have a few more here. Um Philip, is there something that you'd like to ask or make a comment about?
2: Um, do you do any volunteer work? I I I have done I'm retired now. I'm seventy six, but I yeah, I do I do I have done workshops all over the state. Um I think I mentioned that between groups of five up to the university level where there were 60 people there. I'm not doing that anymore, but I've just been... I've retired from that, but I've just been um, told that there's a couple of groups that want me to come in. One is my church, and uh, the other one is um, the Area Homeless Coalition. We just went back on the floor that our local homeless coalition. And so many times... Um, in a homeless situation, kids are running away from the physical abuse or the sexual abuse that 's what that 's exactly what they 're running from so I get to train i 'm going to be training or i just got back on the board and i' and we'll be doing this very soon we 'll be training the homeless coalition and that 's people representing a wide scope of the community. There are people from like eight or nine different sectors of of the of the uh, of the community okay. in that. So I'm kind of excited about that because that's, that's opening up a whole new opportunity for um, intervention you when know, those kids are, you know, running when they're homeless. That's right. So, yes, that's that, right. Yes, I do. I have. I don't do as much of it anymore. i just been through some vicious health issues, and so I decided to kind of, I had to kick back and take care of myself. But I can still talk. <laughs> and so, you're
1: doing fine yeah, I, You're doing fine Edna Believe me I, hey, hey I'm doing the show from bed <laughs> Okay <laughs> I'm in bed Because I don't feel very mm-hmm. well <laughs> Lori's mm-hmm. laughing at me She knows um, let, let me thank you for that And thank you for, for the question Let me go on the 701 I couldn't quite hear you because I'm in bed And I'm not sitting up What What is your first name? Hello? My name is Edna. No, she can't hear me. Hmm. Sherry? Did they work? She's still... Can you hear me now? Hello. Seven oh one area code, can you hear me?
3: I can hear you. I'm the son okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the son okay. though, I'm not Sherry. I'm Robbie. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I, I, I couldn't hear you right before because I was laying down. So, listen, is there, um, is there something you'd like to ask, a question or make a comment? About that everything that's been talked um, about?
0: No, I'm just proud of my mom. I'm just listening to her.
1: Okay. That, oh, that's you. good. Okay. Let's go down. Ah, that's nice. And then we have one other BFJ. one here, BFJ. 701. Yeah, yes. no, would you like to make a sure.
4: comment? I can. This is uh my name is Stephanie. I'm Edna's daughter in law. And Stephanie. uh I I've got the girls out here for a walk, so I'm listening on my headphones. But beyond just telling you how proud I am of you for continually okay. trying to bring awareness to this for people, but also um, being okay with being okay with helping people realize that, like, you don't just get over this, right?
0: No, At 76
4: no. years old, um, there's still things that can trigger you, there's still things that Absolutely. are sensitive, there's still things that can knock you on your ass, <laughs> it
0: please. doesn't go
4: away. And have a few times like that uh, yeah it's you
2: know it's never accessing yeah Mm
4: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think it's good that you are open to representing that fact that people don't get over it you learn how to live with it the fact that it happened but it also doesn't stop you from living a full life because at 76
0: you're still working with the homeless coalition yeah you're you're yeah, still out there
4: doing things
2: there are people there are people for I don't want to represent that I represent all victims um because along that line I think you're very very astute to, to be down that line but not all victims and here here's here's some information I want to pass along because Stephanie uh raises a good question there or a good, good topic there um Here's here's what we experience. Now, we don't experience all of them. But we can experience part of them. Remember, let's go back to that brick through the window. Victims are feel disconnected. They can even feel disconnected from their own bodies. They are unable to create emotional support. I can I I suffered from that. Um, I have a couple divorces down my in in my um Experience to, that will vouch for that hypersensitivity, lack of assertiveness. Some people are so shy. I've met people who are so inwardly, just so inwardly um, damaged that that they can't be assertive for by themselves. And Steffi raises that good, good, good sense issue. Um, I was the other one. Here's the other one: rage. I had rage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I had rage. Um some are have the rigidity. Uh rigid I had that. Um feel like you have to protect your comfort zone. Yes. I I I still do it. I still do it. I don't even realize I'm doing it. Um uh, And I I appreciate you for saying before. that. Pardon me? I
4: appreciate you for saying that. And it just leads right into even though this happened yeah. to you, even though yeah. you had rage, even though you had bad days, even though you didn't get to bring people to justice, even though you didn't get to tell your parents, you are still mm-hmm. 76 years old, you are a loving mother, you are a loving grandmother, you are supportive in your community and your church it just doesn't mean that life is over.
0: You it has changed, it. of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, thank
2: you for that. Yeah. I wish I could report to you that all that all survivors. Because I get to talk about myself and as a survivor now. Not all survivors do. I've met a number mm-hmm. of people who don't. Um, memory You issues know, let, let me say something
0: <clears throat>
1: Neda, let me say something here. Um, yeah. I have never had a show before, and I've been around for 14 years now. <laughs> wow!
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, I never had a show before where your family was so supportive, you know, of you. and so proud of hey. you, and that and that does me that does my heart good. Okay.
0: It's awesome. And um, uh,
1: yeah, yes. And, and you know, there, I want to I- say one thing. I want to say one thing that you just said. Um, it doesn't always help, though. I, I did tell my mother about my brother anyway, okay. And uh, she just said, oh, well, that happens in families. And she walked away. So yeah. sometimes that's it the, doesn't help, <laughs> you know. And um, that's the, I know yeah. who, yeah, I think she had some things to answer to to God. Let's just put it that way. But I, I love a family.
0: Thing. Yes.
1: And you know you what? Like it, um I, I like the family unit here. I think that's nice.
0: Well, I, I,
2: I'm I'm blessed beyond. Mm-hmm. and Did we ever pick Sherry up? Is Sherry here? Mm-hmm. I guess she didn't make the connection. I wonder. She's calling from North Dakota as well. Oh, then okay. Sherry. Gosh, I don't know.
1: Uh-huh. I, I don't know either because all the mics are open. Networks, right?
0: Well, maybe. maybe
1: she needed to go away for a second. <laughs> I don't know. I have all the so mics open though. But um, well, until I she comes you, back.
2: I, I want
0: to I want share to, with you.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Um, i want to
2: share some passages from the book because I let El Salvador do my talking for me, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote two poems, and this goes back to our discussion on perpetrators.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I wrote two poems.
0: Okay. um, Many, many years ago.
2: And and then I, but I couldn't write anymore. I couldn't get it out then. So I want to share. One is called, um, blue skirts, and one is called blue trousers. And it takes, it, 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 fleshes out our understanding of perpetrators. And I think that's the, the thing that it did. So let me share with you blue trousers. And blue trousers are the men, the men, the perpetrators, and their protectors. Here's how it goes. Blue trousers, all sizes and ages, troll for the innocent, work smug faces that are superior in their minds. Blue trousers everywhere, run corporations, are rich, are poor. Everyday workers, politicians, blue trousers wear a badge, some wear a uniform, some clergy, some teachers, blue trousers wander, find easy access, wear suits of power. You see, it's a power thing. Troll for girls, troll for teens, troll for women, troll to hurt females, troll for the weak, troll for vulnerable, troll for anguished, troll and troll and troll, blue trousers weapons, vicious hands with fingers, charm that curdles like sour milk. Power penis invades, damages and destroys, and blue trousers ugly tools that betray, fool, disguise. Blue trousers many and everywhere go undetected, unsuspected, freely. Victims cower, Cry. bleed inside, feel dirty, feel untouchable forever, yearn to be a clean wholess ever, blue trousers and clueless, do not care and do not pay, ever. The blue skirts are the people who protect. They're the people that, they're the, oh, Uncle Johnny wouldn't do that sort of thing. Those are the blue skirts, in my mind. In my mind, let me say it that way. Blue skirts do not lead. Cower beside, behind, beside their men. Blue skirts about platitudes and Bible verses and clean, clean comfy kitchens and comfy homes and blue skirts are accomplices. Blue skirts are most harmful. And are they women? How? Oh, they're tramp callers. Are the front row deniers? Blue skirts voices lie from shapeful safety. Blue skirts are sale victims. Are the lie keepers, seat protectors, blue skirts accuse retaliate, who skirts, live, deli- live blind, It's slick pain from suburbia, who skirts are bereft of penis pain. I have to change the page. Denial, 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 denial. Who skirts, smile false sunshine. Own no tears for their crimes. And that was my first attempt to try to handle this stuff. And, uh, I wrote it many, 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 many years ago, and Steffi is a writer, so she knows, she understands the lighting process
0: quite a bit of it. So.
1: Well, you know, I think that was a wonderful poem, and and it, it's so it's so true because you know, like um, I I felt dirty. Okay. Yep. So you, you sort of like rang a bell in my head there because. Um, I, I wasn't the, uh, the the party that was going out and, and doing all these things to people. I, I was the victim in that sense. Then, right. okay, and, and 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 yet I felt dirty. It was I didn't feel like it was my fault that I didn't have, but I did feel um, dirty.
0: And that's very so uh, that. yeah. common. Among
2: victims. If you in the in the many many workshops that I did. You know, Mm-hmm. Many, many. Is it still Carol I'm talking to?
1: Well, sometimes I, when I'm taking showers, I, I would rub too hard because I was dirty. This is especially when I was a younger yes. kid. You know, when and I was like in my dream. teens. Yeah. Yep. And and yeah, and that's you how you feel. feel you feel dirty.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad that you shared that because it's a very common thing. I did that, yes. that so many times from women mm-hmm. as, as I was making mm-hmm. my routes through
0: mm-hmm.
2: through um my workshops. Yeah. Then I wanna share. I want to share the alfalfa field with you because I don't know what where we are for, where are we for time anyway.
1: Oh my clock is always fast. Let I me mean, look around over here. I eight forty
2: nine.
1: So. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> yes.
2: So well, okay. I'm gonna share I may not be able to share all of the. I have some passages from my book, and uh, um, let me get my book open here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This is alfalfa field. And this, is El, this is alfalfa girl. This is Emily, the main character Emily, and she's writing in she's writing in her um, diary, and she says this about the alfalfa field. She says. I was back in the alfalfa field where the plaid dress girl with the braids used to go to feel clean again. Alfalfa had a very cleansing, fragrant aroma memory for me. I nestled down into a small patch of it. The wispy plant with its purple flowers followed the shape of my body, and I snuggled in until I was completely hidden. I could escape there. Nature caressed my heart and mind. Sometimes hiding was all I could do. I wondered what it felt like to be a whole girl where nobody made you feel dirty. I would never know. I gazed up into the blue sky and and I said to myself, that must be where God is. I wonder why that God, I wonder about him all the time and I wonder why he hated me so much. So that's one of the passages from... uh, from the alfalfa field, and I wanted to read one more. I don't know what kind of time we're going to need, but... Here. Okay, she's still
0: okay. okay, hang on a minute,
2: here we go. My book opens. This is when Emily's writing again, and she's having these flashbacks, and she says... The alfalfa girl stood in front of me now despite the fact I was wide awake. It was hard to understand the confusing feelings I was having. I felt my soul touch hers. I sat down and closed my eyes and, to listen to the silence. She seemed to be reaching out to me. She was in the all, sacred alfalfa field. She was sobbing and crying and busily laying down the grasses to form her little cocoon. It was her safe haven. She could go there any time to find the peace she craved or grieve if she needed to. She inhaled the earthy fragrance of it and relaxed as its gentle aromas comforted her. This time she laid down in it and her face was salty with the tears of a lifetime of pain. I could not see her mouth move, but she spoke to me just the same. And her trust was gone, completely gone. And that's the end of that passage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have one more that I want to read.
1: Okay. they are very good. And that's... I like them.
2: Go ahead. Oh, thank you. It took me a year to write this, and Deffi is a writer, so she does books and does a lot of writing and presentations. So, um, Okay, this is, this is the one that I think best speaks about that period of time when I was a victim and hadn't yet become a survivor yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is Emily again, because the grown-up is Emily, and Emily's talking and she says, I pulled away from the journal with tears in my eyes. I saw Alfalfa Girl again. I loved Alfalfa Girl and I don't remember ever feeling that way about her. I did not know why, but the tears just flowed and, and they flowed down onto, onto the journal page. I saw the words to be free. And then I saw the words, no one can see you. Those were fainter and only partially legible. as The pen was slowly running out of ink. I read and I reread the words and tears splashed on my face. And here's the key line out of that passage. Alfalfa girl knew what it felt like to feel invisible. She knew what it was to feel invisible. It was, she knew what it was to need to disappear so that no one could see you. She knew. She knew, Alfalfa girl knew, she knew. She knew it with every part of her body. And that invisibility, um, I would say, in terms of the victim, that that is how I felt. That is how I felt. Yeah. And then going, going back to that situation with with the. Uh, you sh- I'll show you mine. If you show me yours, the the experimental uh, curiosity of children. My mom did not know. I mean, you were saying earlier. Back in those days, nobody knew. There was just no understanding. And a lot of us, paid a heavy price for that. So in this whole, I wanted to know why my brother had a handle. Remember that part? I want to know why my brother had a handle and I didn't have one. So we were trying to figure it out. And my mother caught us and came unglued. You dirty, filthy little girl. You dirty, filthy little girl. She didn't say that to my brother. But she said it to me. And then she said, and just for that, you're, you will not go to Sunday school. You will not go to Sunday school anymore. Jesus doesn't want a dirty, filthy little girl like you in his church. And you know what? I believed her. I believed her. And later on, we had a pastor when I was about in uh, junior high or so for a Luther League, because I grew up Lutheran. And he said, if you hit girls and boys are putting your hands on each other, you are going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And I believed him. I believed him. So when the recovery, when my when my recovery happened, I had all of that to let go of.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you, um, you know... When people say things to you like that, you remember it, and, and, and you know yeah. when you're a kid, you're looking up at adults who are saying that to you, and adults are like smart people, right? That's what you think.
2: Well, yes, and I and I have worked very hard on my understanding of those adults because they didn't they didn't have good information. They lived no. in an era where they had new information. Good grief. The only, only information we got was some film about how girls menstruated. I mean, that, was it. that <laughs> was it. We didn't have it. It wasn't given to them, and it wasn't given then, it wasn't passed on. It couldn't be back then. So, Alfalfa Girl has a it's kind of historical bent to it where hopefully we're better than that now. Although, as I talk to people in my workshops, I'm not sure it's 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 that much better as we go down the line. Um, I'm wondering if anybody has any questions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go back up to Lori. Lori, um, you're on. Go ahead.
3: Um, I think you're right very well. Um, and I, I also do want the family support that you're getting here. It sounds like a lot of people, you know, rooting for you, which is definitely what you needed to do. Um kind of since you mentioned time. oh, since you mentioned your age, I think that it's amazing to to come out you know at that point. Most people just want to forget about it or never
2: talk about it, so I'm kind of proud of you for doing this, yeah, well you know, you know what let me let me address that point because that's an important piece that you brought up that I didn't say, and I had a really good friend who was a counselor when I was triggered. And then Donald Trump's statement came out, and I was triggered. I was triggered so badly I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even go to work for a whole week. And, uh, and she was the one. My, my dear friend, Mrs. Weiss, said to me, um, you're a writer, Edna. Sit down and write. Get it out of you. Get it out of you and get it on a page. And so that's, that's, that's the other part of the story that I forgot to mention here. So thank you for reminding me of that, I,
0: I was there. I <laughs> um,
2: the other thing is that don't tell, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. There's nobody in society for a long time that wanted us to tell. They didn't want to hear the stories. They didn't want their the perpetrators' uh, reputations clouded. There was a whole bunch of reasons, but part of the reason, some uh, research that I did, part of the reason that people that even to this day that victims don't tell is because they, they understand that their credibility is going to go in the toilet, you know, right? If I, I'm i the person that's going to upset the apple cart here, and boy, everybody's going to be mad at me. It it's, um, threatens their identity. It threatens their power, um, especially if that person is well-known, like the example I gave you with that school superintendent. You know, if that person is well-known, how dare you, how dare you um, say that about and in religious settings, uh, where my friend that I have was molested, then it's, you're going to bring down the house, you're going to bring down the whole church, and pretty soon the whole church is going to be people will think badly of us and nobody will come to church, and so you've got that going on. And then guilt. Um, the concern seems to be for the abuser, especially with a pregnant family, coworkers, um, like in schools or in hospitals or in in some of these business settings or whatever, the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness are all kind of shifted over to the perpetrator and, and the victim is not getting any of that usually. And normally what happens from the people, the victims that I've talked to, is that it raises such family turmoil that people are fighting and, you know, all of a sudden you're the back sheep because you're cause you're um, cause you're telling the family's dirt, the family's secret, and then public shaming, um, where there's all the shame blaming and um, so those that's just that's just a handful of reasons. There's pages and pages of reasons why victims don't come out. Um, yeah.
0: Well, you, you know, you, you just said something. You said something there, Edna,
1: you know, that people need to hear, too, is um, people who are right on the verge of telling right now as they're listening, okay, um, yeah, a lot of times they do go to, like, uh, your family doesn't want to talk to you anymore, you become the black sheep, uh, why, why didn't you uh, just keep it to yourself or just get over it, all the things that you were just talking about, and um, so often... That's the very reasons why people don't tell, because or That's they don't right. want to hurt their parents. All right, they don't want to hurt their parents. Look, I'm Catholic. I don't know if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter. But um, I was the only Catholic one in my family. Everybody else were atheists. It was very strange. But you know <laughs> the point is, yeah, well, I was I was really different. Okay, so, um, but they always made, they always made me feel like, you know that. Maybe I could have done something, or or maybe I shouldn't have yes, done
2: that's this. That's, that's the same
1: thing. Yes. That's the same
2: thing. And
1: and yes. That's very common. Many of the – um, it's just awful when they like make people
2: feel say that They say that the way. same thing. Yep, they mm-hmm. say the same thing. None of the – And it, it
1: makes people feel so bad. It does. It makes people feel like um, they can't say – sometimes they're threatened. You have to mention that, too. I was told I'd be killed if I told
0: yeah,
1: and I did tell, and I told, and I got chased by a vehicle. Yes, I did.
0: Yeah. So you see, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, an, it's, it's a very area. bad thing. Like the the people like us, we the victims, many times don't get the attention that we deserve because you just mentioned that. And and no, uh, then
0: sh- the, the perpetrators, shift. they get everything. I'm not a victim yeah. anymore. Yeah.
2: I must yeah. so let me shift, let me shift the conversation. I'm not a victim anymore. Okay. I'm a survivor. Okay. That's the right. other thing that I want to so add I. here mm-hmm. is uh, yes, you are. Is that mm-hmm. false accusations by children are very very rare. Right. All of the energy we go into making it sound like the child is lying or sound like, but research shows that mm-hmm. false a false accusation of molestation is very rare where there's smoke, there's fire, and uh, when I'm talking to groups, one of the things, you know, if you've been a child who's saying, you know, um, something about that, Uncle, Uncle George likes to put his hands in my panties or whatever it is that they're finally able to express, we need to understand that very, very seldom, research, research shows, very seldom are those accusations Wrong, are false. So mm-hmm. that's another dynamic in that whole list of things. So I don't know how we're doing for time. Can you tell me how we're doing for time? Because I do have one passage that I want to close with.
1: Well, it's nine
2: oh four.
1: Yeah. Thank you, honey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nine oh four.
2: Okay, so what are we doing for time?
1: That that's fine. We have until nine thirty.
2: Okay. Okay, well let me let me just say that the counselor that I had wanted me let's see I gotta find my which page I'm on wanted me to write a letter to Elk Alpha Girl,
0: uh-huh.
2: and so what I'm going to share with you now is that letter okay. and how freeing the letter is. I and mean, it's not a particularly short letter, but here, here is, Dear Alpha Girl, I want you to know how that you are safe with me now, now that I have really found you. I'm sorry that I did not know you for so many years. I am sorry that I did not recognize all of the hurt and pain that you had to carry for me when I simply could not. Grown-ups failed us both so many times. Grown-ups, both men and women, created the hushed environments where we could not tell anyone that we were getting hurt again and again. They did not respect our innocence or our childhood. I cannot tell you why because I don't know why. You were always there for me every single time a man or a boy decided to violate me. I would not be here today if it were not for you. So thank you for being the brave one. Thank you for being the one with courage. Thank you for finding out our our alfalfa spot to, to escape, to rest and recover. I would not be here without it. My very spirit would have died from shame. I would have died from degradation. I would have died from dehumanization. So I have so much to thank you for I promise you I will be the one to build a safe spot from you, for you from now on no one will be able to hurt us like that ever again I promise I will stay connected with you always you, you were a good little girl you did absolutely nothing wrong you did nothing to cause any of the bad things that, to happen to you I always thought that we did, and I was wrong. Most of my life, I was just plain wrong about it because I blamed us. I am sorry that grown-ups made it impossible to speak our truth or to tell our pain or to even understand or forgive ourselves. I am so sorry for all of it. I promise not to blame. I promise not to carry guilt. I promise not to allow rejection of us. I promise not to let anyone hurt us like that ever again, and if they try, I promise we will respond- appropriately. I promise to continue to seek healing for us, and most of all, El girl, I promise to love you forever, even though I did not know how to for so many terrible years.
1: That is beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautifully done um that's like the child within that's speaking to you instead of you speaking to the child within and um yeah. whether, whichever way that you know that it works you know that's fine and then the the person becomes one
2: well, and exactly. We'll yes, that's within. exactly That's a very astute observation because by the end of the book there's a whole bunch of other things that I we don't have time to go into here eventually they do pet therapy with little jenny and she learns how to take care of the pet, and there's a whole part of the plot that goes there. Um, and in the end, she goes to live with a very nice family. She gets taken away from um, the grandma and the grandpa because the grandma doesn't care, and the grandpa's the one that's doing the abusing. So she gets taken away. And then there's a team of people that help with that. So um, when I cast that wide net, that wide net when I wrote the book, I tried to cast it that wide, and I have a family of people in my church that are adoption—they have adopted children—and they shared with me that very often they'll, they'll get kids that um, have come from backgrounds like Little Jenny in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's well, all I know, have in the
1: presentation.
2: If you have questions,
1: well, ooh, my screen just went off. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, great if it works. Okay. What I'll do is I'll, I'll start at the top again. Laura, is there something you'd like to say here or ask a question
4: about?
3: Um, you're still planning on writing? I'm assuming. Like a second I'm book
2: too. Ahead. I'm, actually, I'm retired now. I was a published journalist for about four decades, and uh, when I write, I just write for pleasure now. I'm not trying to sell anything. or. This was my goal. This book was my goal. This was my purpose, was to write something that could help in, impact this dilemma, this Epidemic that we have, and I accomplished that. So I I don't have another book in the offering. I've had I've been offered. I actually had a a call here recently. Uh, someone thought they wanted to make a movie out of the book, which I would love. But there's so there's so many of those calls that are nothing more than scams that I don't pay much attention to them. But uh, um. So I, to answer your question, I'm, I only do personal writing now. Um, like I said, going, I think that I've been placed right now where I can do the most good. I'm limited mobility. I had, I was terribly ill, and I had surgery, and I'm, I'm limited in my mobility. But I think I can, with my work with the Homeless Coalition, I think that I know for a fact she's already asked me to do this workshop for them because of how many kids they probably run across or people may run across who are running from... You know it and we know it. The kids are running from physical abuse or sexual abuse or not being taken care of or that kind of thing. So I have no more... I don't have any more plans to do any more writing, but I certainly... I'll be doing a presentation in my church and I'll be doing another one for the homeless coalition. And then that, that's That's wonderful. Um, that's absolutely wonderful. And that's as thin as I'm ever gonna spread myself, my dear. Um because I'm enjoying my retirement. I no, have a that's what you're supposed to <laughs> do. Hi, <Yeah>, Robbie. <laughs> I have a convertible. Or did he disappear? <laughs> Are you there,
0: no, I'm still here, Mom
2: Okay, <laughs> I was just saying that I want to enjoy life I have a convertible And Robbie knows that I even put the top down in the wintertime And sometimes I get snowed on and so That's my, good my grief, bowl, I wouldn't do that <laughs> Oh, gosh, yeah Well, yeah, the thing has a heater in it, like a blast furnace And you put the windows up and I put my down on there are people walking around outside. I always say, and there are people um, snowmobiling. They don't have tops on their snowmobiles, so then then it doesn't make any sense just to live in Arctic Canada and only be able to use that thing a few months of the year. So I'm kind of a, kind of a renegade in that way. I want I want to make the most use of it. Robbie's the one that found it for me, so. Um,
1: well, you know, i tell you what. You reach a certain age and, and time in your life. Now, I'm not ready to put things down yet, and um, I have a big mouth and I like to talk. <laughs> I, I like to, you know, do all kinds of presentations and things like that. I'm just not, you know, done yet. I don't feel like I'm done yet. And um, so I'll just keep going until okay. I drop, I guess. Uh, that's
2: okay.
0: I
1: mean,
2: that's an okay place to be.
1: Mm-hmm. I perhaps
2: if I hadn't gotten so ill I I would be there yeah. too, but I just I had to I had, I had to take care of my son.
1: No, that's the that's I want number to be around one the those grandchildren. Yes
2: those you children do. Children and grandchildren. I wanna yeah, be around and great to those grandchildren.
1: Guys. Yes, great grandchildren mm-hmm. too. You bet.
2: Yeah. No, and that's, one. that's very
1: important. Oh, I yeah. have four. <laughs> I can't believe. It. No, I tell them cut it out, cut it out. <laughs> I <laughs> tell them to cut it out. Slow down. Do something. I don't know why. I tease my kids all of them. But um, at this point in my life, I'm starting to actually um, enjoy my life more. I can I can understand that. Um, I go where I want. Stay home when I want. Do understand. what I want.
2: Huh? Yeah, then. No. And that's where I am too. I want to be able to enjoy life. So,
1: yeah. Are there any other questions? I, I just yeah. Let Let's go down here. Um, let me go down to Philip. Okay, um, Philip, is there something you'd like to ask and make a comment about?
2: Um. No, I don't think so. That tonight anyway. Thank you.
1: Okay, that's good. So, so all we, the we other ones, I
2: just want to share with you how that. I, I touched only briefly on it, Philip, but. When I was at that um, university presentation and men over and over and over again would have piercing questions, they were very curious because they're very angry that another man would do that to a woman or a girl. So they expressed a lot of... After the... Um, I had several guys come over and just sit and talk with me for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes and just say, I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. And I said, well, it's not normal. You know, they're predators. They're criminals. It's not normal. Somehow, some, I try to be understanding, somewhere along the line, something happened that they would do that. And it's not my job to answer that question, but um, you should know that there are men out there who really, 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 my son is one of them. Just I can't understand how, aren't you, Rob? You, you know, I don't understand how someone could do that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, too. Well, you know, um, and people talk to me about forgiveness, okay, because... My abuse started when I was six and um, lasted until I was 17. I'm speaking about the sexual abuse yeah. now with all different yeah. kinds of people. You know. and, and you know
0: what? I'm going to tell you
1: something. Well, this is how I feel about it. And um, knowing it, you know, we, I never spoke to my family about it because I don't have a family like you do, okay? <laughs> You're a lucky lady. But I'm um, pretty darn lucky. You bet I am. Yes, you are. But uh, And I'm, I'm thankful that there's someone who's lucky, okay? Um, but what I'm, you know, people know what they're doing. And, and they know that it's not right. Even if people don't tell them that it's not right. Now, I'm Catholic. <laughs> so I'm supposed to, like, uh, turn the other cheek and, um, you know, like, forgive everyone and, and all this other stuff. But you know what? God doesn't like ugly Edna. Edna. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like ugly. And, and I do believe that children are a gift from God. I believe that. Some kids are hard to bring up. Some kids they, are easy to bring they, up, yes. but they're still a gift. Yeah, I think
2: yes. that's an easy page for most people to get on. Mhm. I think that's an easy page for most. Um...
1: Well, you know, it's not God's fault. God makes people, that's the way I look at it. And uh, we do what we do Because we have our own free will Don't we
2: Well and I'm not qualified I don't well, I, I don't I, take on I think so just issues. I'm not qualified to mm-hmm. To speak to that but that's, In my view mm-hmm.
1: Yeah But you had mentioned much earlier on Something about you know People in the church and God And all that other stuff I don't go well, to yeah, church
0: yeah.
1: God's in my heart <laughs> Okay so, um, but that, that's the way I look at it. And so you just said you don't know how can, people can do things like that. And that's where I always bring in the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? There are good people no, I in the think world. What I,
2: said, I think what I said was that that was the question the men were asking. And yeah. that was interesting because it was the only time in all of my mm-hmm. presentations, and I did about a dozen and a half presentations, that I ever had men there. And so it was the only time I ever had men asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I,
1: I think they you know like a
2: that's a good yeah. thing for you know I'm yeah. glad men are asking questions. How can this happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. So ask what you can do about it, you know let's let's look for the red flags. let you know, let's let's find out what are the things as you mentioned early on, when we first started talking, you mentioned prevention. How can we prevent? Mm-hmm. Know the facts, know the information, get good information, make sure it's right, make sure the information is is uh, Up to date. correct. Yes. But there's yes. so much bad information. By the way, is the statistics still, when I was doing my workshop, is the statistics still mm-hmm. one out of every five? Boys and one out of every four girls. Is that still what the statistic is? No,
1: and I'll tell you it's why. Changed. Yeah, it's changed. It's changed because of the border. Okay, that's number one. Um, because I'll give you an example. Um, a few months ago, nine hundred children were supposed to come, you know, to our country, and they never made it. So they do know that the cartel got a hold of them, and then what do they use right. them for? Right. Okay?
0: Yes.
1: They use them for yeah. several different things. Okay? Um, are you telling
2: me that that plays have. into the normal
1: statistics?
2: Well,
0: that's, that's one system. reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is a different issue, but it, that's because, yes, it is part of the reason with the statistics because, you see, you have to realize that not even just with the border, but human trafficking in itself if you look it up today right. um, hum, human trafficking has gone up and it's a $150 billion year industry
0: right so you have we all have these
2: kids
1: problem. yeah you have all these kids who are disappearing you
2: they're dealing yeah. with that in North Korea big time mhm that is exactly a way. huge huge human trafficking problem here in fact, yes. I ran into it when I was in Western North Dakota doing a, I, I ran into that, mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. were saying, "You're telling me about um, some of the things that they'd." Hearing it is one thing because you don't know what you're hearing, but you know if you you know if arrests are being made and you know if if there's actionable, if there are crimes that are actionable, then you can start mm-hmm. believing some of the stuff. So.
1: Um, well, those stats have changed. Up with they've, they've changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've changed so what because of the world now? that we what, live what, in. All right. Uh, they, they, and you, uh, we're not going to know anything. Are... Oh Okay, let are me, you, me, you me say something. Well, yeah, I'm having a hard time. You're echoing in my ear. <laughs> um, oh. You have um, the, one of the reasons why we can't come up with, with a specific number right now. Is because um, in t- uh, 2024, we'll have to 2023. Okay. We'll have a better idea. So okay. it's not time, you know, that to actually... To uh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Is it a little bit soon yet? hmm And everything's yeah. changing all the time. See, it's changing.
0: Yeah.
1: And not for the better. Well, so
2: I rely just leave on it at NASCA. That.
0: Mm-hmm. I rely
2: on NASCA for my numbers, so I'm not going to pull those out of my... Left ear, I'll, I'll be relying on Mhm. for when I get them updated. Mm-hmm. I'll let I'll
1: let Bill know and I'll have him you know post it. And um, but we have to wait a few months yet, and then like in January yeah. actually, then they'll give it for the uh, twenty twenty
2: three year. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What size is your staff at NASA? What how much? How many people do you have there? Oh my
1: God. I don't know. I'd have to look that up too. It goes up and down. Yeah, <laughs> it does. you
0: know.
1: It's, I'll tell you what. Well, it's a little over that, but I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, because of everything that is going on, um, people aren't listening quite as much as they used to because they're worried about getting food on the table with all this stuff going on. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and then uh, you know you can't you can't expect that to be very good right now. Listen, child abuse happens 365 days a year, and it does not take a vacation, okay? That's right. See, I'm a, I'm a very dedicated person to what I'm, being, what I'm doing, or I wouldn't be here 14 years, and two years before that somewhere else, so 16 years on the radio. So it's I'm constantly calming. looking at, we I'm, I'm constantly the looking at stats.
2: Dear? We can come back I, to the I, question I asked.
1: How be what was that? How
2: many people oh. are you? Yeah. people are fourteen, or forty, or four hundred, or.
0: <laughs> well, let me just let me think just for a pick second.
2: Three,
1: Three, four, four. Lori, how many do you think we have?
3: Oh my God! Enough to make a difference. That's yeah. what we okay. want to do. That's a
1: perfect answer. That, that's a that's a good <laughs> answer. That's a, that's a good answer. answer. Thank you. That's <laughs> enough that's to make that's a easy. difference. Yes, that yep. was very good. And And that
2: um, is actually a a really nice, conclusive way to um, to look at the whole issue. We need mm -hmm. enough people. I'm going to steal that from you guys. We need enough people to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We do. I just wrote it down. I'm going to include that when I do my presentation here in a couple weeks. We need enough people to make a difference.
1: See that, Lori? That was that was excellent.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Yep.
3: Glad to help.
1: Well, it's a question a lot of times that people wonder about, you know, how how many people are needed for an organization. And the amount is, like she said, enough to make a difference. So that's very good. And I like that, that too. Yep.
2: Yeah. And as many yeah. as it
1: takes. Yep. So anyway, we had quite a show here, and I'm so
2: happy that
1: your your family showed up. That was very good. See, we have one, two, three,
2: there, four, five, Happy? six, seven.
0: Are you seven.
2: still there? Or did they? Are they gone? Yeah, I'm still here, Mom. Okay. No, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, we're here.
1: So there's, there's one down at the bottom here. Yeah. I'm
3: 2,100 miles from her. I have no idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I just thought well, maybe she
2: called you Yeah, he's in Florida They're in Florida, by the way <laughs> Oh, that's nice yeah, the
0: Too hot for me, honey
2: Huh?
1: Uh-huh. Too hot Too hot for me, Florida I, I like the cooler weather, believe it or not I really do I can't stand heat, you know But anyway, mm-hmm. let's see, what time is it? It's... Um, 920, 926. 926. <laughs> 926. Oh, okay. Well, my clocks are all off a little bit for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Is that Did he come to become the
1: <laughs> Well, i tell you well, what we do, okay? Let let me say something to you, And Okay, this is a very good show, and I'm going to ask you back again in, in a year. That's what we do. Okay. Sometimes, to, sometimes a, a little bit before a year. Yeah, it can even be a little bit before a year, but usually around a year. But what we do mm-hmm. is the last um, few minutes that we have of the show, okay, we always give, you know, to the person that was, um, you know, the guest. What would you like to say to the people who are listening now, you know, to to give them hope, you know, that if they tell um, and for healing, hope for healing and that they can't, you know, things like I that. Wish Go it, ahead. I
2: wish, um, well, and that's what the book is about. There's, let me, let me talk a little bit about the book. Yeah, go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. There's a point where little Jenny, um, they try to, she's, she's so wounded that they try to figure out how they can get her healed and, and able to go on with her life. And mm-hmm. I, I, the, one of the things that I used in the book, which was happening in North Dakota for, for other areas, okay. was um, oh. service dogs. Mm-hmm. So they gently there was a team of people and in, that introduced a service dog to her and slowly then with her interaction with the dog then they were able to draw her out. And I took that from research that I did. I didn't just pull that out of my left ear. I took mm-hmm. that for to some from some research that I had done.
0: And then I mm-hmm. had a friend
2: who had a certain dog that I I saw with my own eyes. In fact, one of my best friends, my very dear friend, uh, his daughter has a service dog now, and so Mm -hmm. um, that was the vehicle we used to kind of get Jenny. And I would say uh, to communities and to people, find a way to make a difference. Yes, find. And you know what? what I I have to tell you
1: this. That I, that's that's a very good that's a very good thing to say. I have um, someone's clocks are off, and not just mine, because I just got the thing in my ear that I uh, had to end the show. <laughs> so <Okay>. um, <laughs> So anyway, I wasn't the only one. The I wasn't the only one. There you go. But anyway, thank you so much for such a ten seconds. I've got okay. Just came in my ear. Thank you so much for coming okay. on, and we'll have you here again in uh, in around a year. Okay, how will that be? Please, okay? Yes,
2: and please read you for me. I talked with him briefly a little while tonight.
1: Well, we um, had a good time, and you told a good story. Yes, you did. And I want to mm-hmm. thank all your family members for being here. Thank you so much. So I'm going to end you the welcome. show now. Yes, thank you. I love you guys. Love you guys. Okay. I'll be in touch. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I like to hear that, don't you, Lloyd? Isn't that good? Yeah yeah okay.
0: too
1: okay thank you Good yeah. night, God bless and night. we'll see you again
0: Good night
3: now good night, good night.
0: night. Talk Radio.